you jackass. Welcome to the Jackass Critics Podcast. With your hosts, Tom and Matt. Welcome to the Jackass Critics Podcast. I'm your host, Tom, and I'm joined by Matt. How's it hanging, Lindsay Brohan? <laughs> Very good on this fine, fine day. And yourself, Thomas? Oh, I am excited today. You know why yes. I'm excited, Matt? Why would that be, Tom? Because our main topic is just so cool this week. Instead of doing a single movie, we'll be talking in short bits about many little movies. Oh, yes? I'm intrigued. Tell me more. Yes, we will be doing the Summer Box Office Draft. The summer mega blockbuster box office draft, as I like to call it. It's huge. Which is like Sam Plass for short or something. That's correct. We'll yeah. be talking about all sorts of horrible movies that are coming out this summer that will be soaking up everybody's dollars. <laughs> and we will be turning that into a competition, and to the winner goes the spoils. Isn't that correct? Uh, oh, <laughs> yes, I have begrudgingly agreed to all of your terms. This is like a, a surrender of a, a surrounded country. Yeah, I feel like I've got you by the short and curlies on this one. Well, you are right, Tom. This this is for the best. I did a lot of research in this one, so I hope it pays off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm feeling pretty confident, i got to warn you. I've, oh. I've done my oh. research, uh, I've done the graphs, I've run the numbers, uh, I called in some consultants, so I'm feeling uh-huh. pretty good. Yep. You'll be picking the chalk all the way across? you got a horse <laughs> that you like coming up in the in the third? I'm ready. I got my, I'm putting my money where my mouth is, sir. Do it. Do yep. it. So before we jump into the bullets, I'd like to remind everybody that you can like us, Jackass Critics. We have a like page on Facebook, so go ahead and like us all you want. You can also follow us, Jackass Tom and Jackass Matt, both all one word, on Twitter. I've been Twittering a lot lately, Tom. I think I've even been out Twittering you. Really? You might be. You might be. I'm more into the... You've gone a little quiet lately, yeah. I got a little quiet. Yep. I got to speak up a little bit more, maybe. I think that's what you're telling me. Yeah, you know, I like to share every movie I watch, even if it's just a little, you know, I'm not writing a full review for the site, just, uh, you know, give a brief 140 or 160 character, you know, synopsis of what I thought. And yeah, I like that. World, I know? like that you pop out a couple little nuggets here and there in the movies that you watch in the corners of your life. Yeah, you know, I'm sure everyone's curious about how bad a movie I can possibly subject myself to, and you know, we're about <laughs> we to know find you out. can. We know you can subject yourself to some pretty bad ones. <laughs> I've, I've been on a roll lately too, as we're about to find out, share with the world. This is like my confessional. It's cheaper than therapy, so I'm about to tell everybody about what what I did to myself. Well, let's not stall. Let's get to some bullets in the chamber. Ooh, yeah, my favorite. Oh yeah. All right, I'll take the first bullet, Matt. Ching. So just a little bit of news here. The Tree yeah. of Life. Have you heard of this movie, Matt? Tell me a little bit more. That's a possibility. It's a Terrence Malick film. It's the first film he's done since The New World. Yes. And he usually does films that are about 8 to 20 years apart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this film won the Palme d'Or recently. This is the first time it's been screened. It was filmed at, or it was screened at Cannes, like I just said. Uh, yeah. It has Brad Pitt. And as far as I can tell, I haven't read up too much just in the way of reviews because I kind of want to see it fresh for myself when the day Can't. finally comes. Yeah. But it seems to be about um, these kids growing up, Brad Pitt's the father, uh, the different things that they go through as they're growing up, and maybe some of the challenges they face if the father's overbearing, etc. <laughs> but set in the modern era. 
It's set in a little bit of an older era. Okay. It would seem. I wonder if this is uh, mirroring some of Malik's upbringing. Is that the what he's going for there potentially? Or one thing I did read is that he had. Yeah. Uh, what was it? It's some trivia note that they had on IMDb saying that he had uh, a movie that he was working on called Q back in the day when he first did Badlands and yeah. it had to do with his theories of life and the beginnings of life and he worked some of that into the Tree of Life. So I'm curious to see how he did that. So he's been ruminating on that for 30, 40 years at this point. Right. Yeah, right. I mean that's uh, Kubrickian, honestly, uh, of terms of the slow burn right there. Yeah, I would say he's... I, I don't want to compare him too much to Kubrick, but in terms of pacing in his films and the types of things that he does, it's probably the closest comparison out there, but you could probably break that down and get these two stretched pretty far apart in terms of their actual shooting style and whatnot. But oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely as far as thinking out how a script is going to turn itself into a film, I think they're pretty close in that respect. I have to ask, Matt, are you a yeah. Terrence Malick fan or... <laughs> Well, you know, my most recent and freshest memory is, is Thin Red Line, which I saw in, in the, theatrically, you know, and I, there was a lot of hype going into that. Uh, it was kind of the summer, I think, of the World War II movie, and mm-hmm. there were a lot Saving of... Saving Private Ryan came out the same year. And was it similar to the uh, the, the Affleck one, the Benefer one as well, uh, Pearl Harbor, the Michael Bay? I think no, it, was, it, it came out much earlier than that. Okay. So... Um, at the time, I was not in love with A Thin Red Line, and my view has softened in the years since then. I, I think I should honestly give it another chance. I mean, Mr. Malik has no trouble whatsoever recruiting uh, A-plus talent for his, his movies. you got to give him credit for that. Amen. And uh, I remember not enjoying the experience, and it seemed like a movie that was an experience more than uh, a traditional theatrical summer release type movie. Right. Tell me more about Thin Red Line or why I should appreciate it. Or well, would I appreciate it if I did go back, I guess? I'm, I am I guess I'm su- not surprised that you, on first view, wouldn't appreciate it. It definitely yeah. seems like it's a slow burn type movie. It's more about the artistry of nature that's going around this war and the, the conflicts there within. I guess that's the shortest summary I can come up with for the film, but it's not one of those movies that you just pop in for pure entertainment value on a Friday night and just say, yeah, let's let's pick this one out of the library and watch that. It's it's something you kind of have to dedicate yourself to. Yeah, sit down seriously. I remember coming away very impressed with uh, Caviezel, though. I remember uh, him doing pretty well in in that role, and I guess it's a combination of talent and, and the director bringing it out of you. Oh, for sure. Sure. How, how, how do you feel about Malick in general, uh, aside from that? Because I think that's probably the only Malick movie. I admit I'm a Badlands... Uh... Uh-huh. I've seen parts of Badlands, and I think I was on an airplane when I saw... Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's some heavy airplane uh, material. Not when, not Badlands, but when I saw New World, I was on an airplane. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. yes. And um, I didn't see the whole thing. I just saw it a number of times in snippets, and... Yeah, it, it, his films are a lot to digest, but I swear every time this guy comes out with a film, I'm going to be very interested in seeing it, and I'll probably seek it out in the theater at some point, that's for yeah. sure. So, one, Matt, more, you, one more bit oh, before we move on. I wonder how the Housewives of America feel about the fact that Brad Pitt may now be permanently in the mode of playing basically a father. And, and uh, I mean, this is no longer 1990 uh, Brad Jen, Brad Pitt. We're, we're, yeah, 
he's one of those guys, and I've heard this from some people saying he hasn't really aged well. I guess I can kind of see that. Yeah. He doesn't look as boyish anymore as he did. He was always a little bit rough around the edges, and I think right. that probably doesn't age well. So I would imagine that, yeah, you can... I think he's come, becoming a more credible actor maybe because of it, or at least it hides the fact yeah. that he was seen as one of the most beautiful people for a long time. Yeah. And people thought he was getting roles purely based on that, but now you can see that I think he's a substantial actor personally. Yeah, I know we were both we both kind of have been uh, equally surprised as we watched uh, Mr. DiCaprio kind of go from a punk kid to, frankly, one at least one of my favorite actors, and I think wow. probably one of yours High as praise. well. Um or at least he delivers, he's always in good movies, so, you know, chicken of the egg syndrome there. But yeah. uh, uh, even more surprising, I guess, than that is uh, watching Brad Pitt uh, transition into being an old man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's going to be funny to watch. But anyways, uh, let me tell you about the triple bad movie marathon, Tom. Please do. I've been anticipating this one. <laughs> I mean, how many hours... If you just pick, if you just spun the wheel of fortune and pick three movies, it'd be difficult to pick three movies that are frankly deemed unwatchable. Unwatchable yet, meaning if you have it in the DVD player, if you have it DVR'd, at certain point, I would say an hour into it, you decide to completely stop and abandon all hope. And I've only done that maybe like three times in my life before the most recent night. Now, I have a kind of a standing uh, mandate with uh, a buddy of mine where we get together and, and watch films. We yeah. both have a taste um, for exploitation films. or uh, Who's being yellows. exploited in these films? Well, sometimes there there are cultures that are are uh, they can't necessarily speak for themselves or stand up for themselves. So you've got the black exploitation movies. Oh, or, those movies, okay. okay. Or um, there are some other genres similar. There's the Nazi exploitation. Um, I've never non, heard of that. Wow. Non exploitation. Uh, there, there's some other uh, things along those lines, and, and the typical giallo fare, which you know we've. Uh, talked about many times, so I uh, showed up at Buddy Pat's house for for movie night, which uh, goes by other names as well. Yeah, this and, is porn night, as you call it, right? Well, that, that's uh, Pat's lady's friend. Uh, it's just easier to summarize it in her world, uh, where she doesn't appreciate these fine films as yeah. porn night. Because I'm sure, I'm sure. Uh, on occasion, there probably is some breasts being bared in some of these some of these fine films. Um, <laughs> You know, if a lady bears her breasts while making a fine wine, does that make the wine any less good? No, Tom. No, possibly not. better. But possibly makes it a little bit sweeter. Possibly you know? a little bit sweeter. So um, I had about three. I had three solid films lined up on my memory stick when I showed up at, at Pat's house. Yeah. Um, and all of them stinkaroos. So check out this lineup. Tell me if this doesn't sound like a winner. Okay. We opened with the last Gestapo orgy. Winner. Okay. Winner, obviously. Winner, obviously. Just by name, it's a winner. Yep. And uh, then we were going to move, tr- transition. My backup plan was Death Lays an Egg, which is a nice giallo flick. Looked real promising. That's mm. a pretty obscure, weird title, so obviously it's going to be a winner. Yeah. Borderline, then, but at the same time, if it's an Italian giallo film, then it's probably a winner. Yeah, exactly. If that's a documentary, we're probably in for some boredom. But Yeah, uh, lots giallo. of eggs. And then the backup to the backup was... Mr. Fred Williamson, has he ever delivered a bad movie? And Soda Cracker. Soda so Cracker. <laughs> that title alone, I mean, the mind, you could fill a half hour with just that title alone. That's yeah, I think so. That's a half hour worth of entertainment right there. That's some but, discussion points exactly. all across the board. Let me tell you, we couldn't finish 
any of them. And that's amazing. That is amazing. The soda cracker was the best of the bunch, but it was coming so late in the evening. You know, we were already kind of uh, on the downward slope. So I don't want to disparage soda cracker too much, but uh, all three of them were stinkers. Now let me ask you this, Matt. You had three movies lined up for the night. Yes, yeah, sir. Did you abandon them because you kept thinking, well, maybe the next one's better, or it was just if it, you just had one of those movies, do you think you could have finished it? I think. <laughs> Were they having the availability bad? was nice, but they were all that bad. Honestly, the, wow. oh, man, they were so bad. You just deliver on your promise. That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking for a good movie. The promise is not, you know, the last Gestapo orgy didn't shake my hand and say I'm going to deliver you a good movie. That's not mm-hmm. the standard I'm holding it to. The the standards for Nazi exploitation a little different than your standards for your summer blockbuster, you know? Amen. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. The last so, movie I can remember abandoning, and I've yeah. probably abandoned more since, but this is the one that's fresh in my head. It stands out, yes. Breakfast of Champions. Oh, really? It's Bruce Willis, uh, Barbara Hershey, I think, is in it, Lewis ha- Lucas Haas. Yeah. And is a film directed by Alan Rudolph, who is okay. probably of no mention to you, but... Right. Uh, yeah, this is a movie based off of a Kurt Vonnegut novel of the uh, same name. Yeah. And it was just so way out there, so over the top, so goofy. And there's just really nothing you cared about that happened in the movie, right? There's Ugh. supposed to be this link between two characters uh, that are, like, worlds apart. But yeah. in the middle of the movie, you just you don't even care about the linkage. You think it's just complete... I, oh gosh, I'm just getting worked up thinking about it. <laughs> it's just the movie you throw away and and you move on, and it's disappointing because it was a, fir- a Kurt Vonnegut novel, and yeah, you're yeah. just interested to see how that gets executed. I'm sure you were pre relatively pre hyped, and then I mean to go from the highest highs to the lowest lows. I Obviously. can't say I, I can't say I, I I flew that close to the sun to get disappointed about the last Gestapo orgy. Right. I, I, uh, but yes, you know, stinker night over three, man. What over three. How do you do that? <sighs> I, that's incredible. Uh, I don't know. Porn Night might have to go on hold until I get some better material. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I've got yes. a little nugget for you here, too. You know, entertain me, Tom. Give me uh, something interesting here. It's numbers. I'm entertained by numbers. Are you? It, well, movies and numbers play along quite nicely, you know? And right. Everybody uh, loves the box office, and I mean, that's why we're here today as well. So, yeah. Well, I just love following trends in general, uh, and not trends as in, you know, is Justin Bieber going to wear this today, and what's his haircut look so. like, but yeah. uh, just trends in, as far as what people do, and the latest trend is, in internet traffic, Netflix owns 29% of it, so 29% of all internet traffic is between Netflix and the end user. This is that's, per Sandvine. Yeah, that, that's pretty amazing. Uh I mean, that's a theme we've kind of hit upon multiple times here uh, in our podcast. And, True. I mean, it's something that can't be overstated, just the, how things are transitioning and get on board or get left behind. So 29%. Right. And, and yeah. even greater than that, right, real-time entertainment is up to 49%. That's like the king chunk of the, the data pie. Yeah. And just two years ago, a category that we can refer to as general web browsing was 38%. So this is a, a pretty quick transformation that the Internet has taken on and uh, as far as delivering these large chunks of data called movies yeah. across to end users. I mean, 
think of how far we've come since 2009. It's pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive, and you'd, you'd still think uh, you know business-type activity would play a dominant role in mm-hmm. Internet network traffic, but you know apparently, and I do realize you know streaming movies, obviously, especially at the high bit rates that uh, Netflix is able to squeeze out is a, you know, a costly transaction, but uh, apparently the consumer world is edging out the Internet traffic, and it's people watching Netflix specifically. I remember three or four years ago, people were talking about, you know, oh, YouTube, everyone's going to, YouTube's going to dominate, you know, look at how much traffic it's using, and I'm sure it still does use a good hearty share of the traffic, but, oh, sure. you know, there's only so many cats dancing and, you know, people lighting themselves on fire videos for, that people can watch. <laughs> yeah, I myself can just keep watching those videos endlessly, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just haven't reached your saturation point. Yeah, you're a lot more tolerant than most of us. Don't, don't get me wrong, you know. Yeah, burn, baby, burn. Yeah, if a cat actually dances and lights you on fire, sold. Oh, I got that gosh. thing on repeat. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Here's another question based off of this, Matt. Yeah. How long until we no longer have DVDs and Blu-ray players? That's an interesting question, I think, because we've already gotten to the point where I don't think many people own VHS. I still do. Yeah. But it's definitely the dust collector of the collection. You know, it's interesting. Um I don't think it's going to be... I think it's going to happen in in the video game marketplace first, just because, Hmm. A, they're already kind of adopting that a little bit in terms of delivering some smaller games and stuff digitally only, and, B, they're not nearly as tied to the old ways of things as you have in some of these hundred-year-old companies that are run by not necessarily the newest generation of people. Um, So I think it's going to be a little bit slower in terms of the adoption of your media companies, especially some of the giants that just have these uh, ties to the past and uh, frankly have been fighting the digital revolution every step of the way instead of embracing it and trying to monetize it and you know trying to get as much out there i mean there's money to be made and there's money left on the table mm-hmm. and you know I, I think if netflix didn't drag these people to the water there's nobody else out there really doing it at least as well as they are and to the scale that they are i don't think we'd be seeing it you know the Media companies themselves aren't gonna aren't gonna do it without somebody dragging them there, kicking and screaming. Right. Well, I think at least the movie industry is in better shape than the music industry. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they had to watch them get decimated first before they kind of jumped on board. But right. Um, right. Yeah, I think it's gonna happen. I think the next generation probably of the video game consoles, uh, one of them may go not even have a disc slot. You know, it's just got the built-in memory, and you click the button and download your game, and you know you've got it that moment and. And then maybe a few years after that. So in terms of numbers, I could see them going. And you got some pioneers, probably like Mr. Cuban. I know he's doing a lot of delivering movies digitally before they're even available on disc and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's happening to some degree. Um, when we were going to see the, an MGM, you know, digital-only release, probably not in the in the in our decade, but maybe in the next one, I'd say. Right, right. What do you think? Sooner than that? Later? Yeah, I was, I was thinking the year... See, we're in 2011 right now, yeah. and we just really started getting into the point where people are comfortable with downloading movies. Yeah. Like 49% of the internet traffic, that really tells you something. How many people have Netflix accounts, and they have some sort of Roku, or they have maybe a Blu-ray player that connects the internet so they can right. download the movie easily, right? So it started... I'm going to say we've got until like 2020, 2018, okay. when you really start to see these things 
not get sold. Like, yeah. You'll start to see smaller shelves for DVDs. Well, I will say, just to counterdict myself, what I said you know, two or three minutes ago, I, I read earlier this week that Amazon now sells more books for the Kindle than they do physical books. And if you had asked me that two years ago when that was going to happen, I would have said, you know, ten years. I just didn't think such a huge cross-section of people would not be comfortable reading a book digitally and, you know, this newfangled thing. I don't like computers. I don't trust computers. They're going to steal my credit card, whatever. Wow. Uh, but I think that's already happened on Amazon. They sell, sell more digital books than physical ones. Crazy. All right, I'm pulling into 2017. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I just talked myself into I sounding like an idiot, but, you know, that sounds like every day for me, so no big deal there. <laughs> All right, Matt. You got another bullet for me? Oh, just following up with that, actually. Um, and, and this is kind of an example of what I was talking about, the media companies. Uh, Sony has offered their own service to try to compete with the Netflix. And they're one of the ones that I know uh, they've signed some sort of contracts with Netflix, but they say, you know, the next time it comes around, they want to get a lot more money from Netflix in terms of licensing their content from them just because... Netflix is doing so well. Uh, so they've also launched their own service, trying to compete a little bit with um, the Netflix, and especially the Netflix streaming parts. Uh, their service is called Crackle. Um, so my little Roku box, you know, I'm kind of the gadget hound, so I've got a little Roku box, and it has uh, the Crackle channel on there. So the promise is pretty nice. They have a pretty decent selection of movies from the Sony library, and I think they own Columbia now, or mm. the Columbia library as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so between those two, I mean, that's a pretty good pr- cross-section of movies um, to choose from. So I decided to try that out, and the, the promise is, you know, um, the movies are unedited, and they're available to stream, and you can pause it, and it saves where you're at, and all that sort of good stuff. You know, watch it at your leisure. And they'll just insert a few commercials along the way, and, and you know, they'll monetize it that way and pay for the bandwidth and make a few bucks on some of these licenses. Oh, Sounds wow. pretty awesome. Yeah, the whole, so, thing, the whole time I was thinking about this, I was wondering what the price would be. Yeah. So, so it's totally nothing? free. Totally, totally free. Wow. And, uh, you know, I went, and I went to my bread and butter genre, the horror film, just to see what kind of selection they had there. So I started out with the first one, actually, that was shown, uh, 976 Evil, with the numbers, <laughs> uh, directed by Robert England, Freddy himself. Wow. So this was his uh, attempt to direct a movie. Um, started out really stylishly and got really horrible after the first 10 minutes. That's what you'd but expect. More than the movie, just the service itself. I mean, pretty cool. The movie was unedited, you know, there was boobies and F-bombs and all that sort of fun stuff. Mm, mm -hmm. The only uh, potential gotcha is I think they're using automated software to try to place the commercials in. And I can understand you're trying to bring a library of 2,000 movies online. Are you going to pay, you know, Matt and Tom's of the world to carefully craft where you should, you know, transition into a Tide commercial? Probably not. Mm -hmm. So um, I think they may have been using, like, chapter stops or just frankly picking times out of the blue because it just the commercials would cut right into the middle of the movie uh oh, wow. so it was still a little bit choppy yet uh but i appreciate them at least trying something new and and uh, you know check out crackle if you want yeah, they're actually definitely. making original content for the crackle channel as well didn't watch any of that and they've got a lot of the sony miniseries and stuff because they obviously produce a lot of television shows as well so everything they do for television is available there i think the week it's released they're putting it on their channel so you got the big movie library and stuff pretty cool hmm. yeah i'll have to check that out i haven't so i'm one of those guys i'm, I'm not technology 
phobic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just, I just don't dip into it so quickly. I'm not even on Netflix yet, but I do have a Blu-ray player that connects to the internet, and I don't mind free. So I yeah. may give that a, a, a check out sometime. But it's interesting yeah. that it's, um, I guess you could say, an alternative to Netflix in a way, although it's one that comes with commercials, so that makes things a little bit more challenging. But Yeah, free commercials, and, you know, I, I'd like to see somebody consolidate, you know, because... I guess my fear would be that Sony and MGM and everyone else who's licensing all their content decides, well, I'm going to break away and create my own version of this, and then we've got this fractured system where I can watch Crackle, but you can't because your Blu-ray internet player doesn't unlabel it, and then we've got you know this fractured landscape. So I'm hoping there's some, yeah, Sony. <laughs> there's some pressure to try to make everything uh, kind of come together, but you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe it'll be more gadgets for me to buy anyway. So. All right. Yeah. Very interesting, Matt. Very interesting. Oh, yeah. And that was Bullets in the Chamber. Woo. Thank you for reeling it in there, Matt. I think I really brought it at the end there. Oh, are, yeah. are we still live? Yeah, we are. Yeah, okay, we are. okay. Good job. Keep patting yourself <laughs> in the back. Now it's time for the main event, though, or the pre-main event. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow yourself down. Yes. We're not the main event yet. Uh, so I thought order, we were in the final countdown. In order to get to the main yeah. event, there's something that has to happen first. Yes. So the main event, <laughs> as I'll describe it right now, is the summer box office draft. Matt and I will be drafting five movies apiece in NFL, NHL, NBA draft style. Right? We'll okay. be going back and forth, picking movies that are coming out in the summer. And it's going to be a competition between Matt and myself to see who can pick the movies that make the most money. <laughs> By the weekend of September 16th, we will tally up the totals... And to the winner go the spoils. And yes. what are the spoils, you may ask? Oh, yes. Diabolical. Downright diabolical, sir. Yes. Pretty simple. Article 1, a 12th pack of fine bottled beers shall be delivered we, to the we winner. We both enjoy beers, yes. We do. We do. Yep. We have a sweet tooth or a bitter tooth. There will have to be a mini-movie created about the delivery of those beers and the, the crafting of the package to deliver them and whatnot. It's, it's going to be a, an event in and of itself. Yeah, yes. yeah, and to see what type of beer was chosen. Hopefully yeah. it's of a good ilk. Yeah, huh? yeah, no uh, no MGD light coming from this way. I Not that I'm going to lose, but... I will withhold buying Schlitz. That <laughs> is my promise to you. Agreed. Air yes. handshake, sir. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's done, it's done. <laughs> Article 2. Yes. The winner shall pick a film for the loser to review on the website in writing. Oh, yes. And to discuss on a podcast. So we'll probably discuss it in the form of Bullets in the Chamber, unless both of us choose to watch this potentially <laughs> lovely film. <laughs> uh, seems unlikely, but crazier things have happened. It could be a main event, or it could be a bullet in the chamber for someone to get laughed at. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. And then finally, Article 3. We only have three things that we're Oh, wait, there's more? There is more. Oh, I'm, man, you're like the Billy Mays of, of the, the draft. Yeah, why did I say only three? Three is huge. Yeah, this is spectacular. I mean, there's 12 in the first one alone. I mean, when you think about it, yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah. So, the winner shall pick intro music or sound for both parties. Oh, so, in boy. other words, when we start up the podcast, both parties will have some sort of little intro music, etc., etc. The winner shall pick what music will be played for each person as they're introduced on the proceed, proceeding, preceding, proceeding, proceeding, whatever. Proceeding, yeah, sure. Proceeding podcasts oh. until someone else gets to choose via another competition. Another victory, yeah. So that's like the scarlet letter. That's going to stick with us. 
That is, yeah. yeah. It it may be somewhat humiliating for the loser, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully That's like guess... the, the cruelty level just gets stronger and stronger with each one. You know, you just like <laughs> yeah. twist the knife a little bit with, for, all right, 12-pack of beer. And then yeah, we could really share that. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it should be good. Yeah, so we're going to have a little bit of fun with it. But yeah, before this we is the get... gift that keeps on giving, so... Exactly. So before we get started, before we get to the main event... Tom, how are we going to decide who goes first? That's the key question. And we've decided that we're going to each have, well, we're going to participate in a movie knowledge off. It's going to be a round of trivia, three questions from eight categories. categories. We have eight categories. Ah, okay. So Matt and I went into our little nooks and crannies. (laughs) We had eight categories. We had to pick one category each, and we had to create trivia questions based off those categories. Three trivia questions. Man, this is like a math problem. So eight times one, carry the one times... All right. Yeah, Yeah. I got it. Three questions. So so, (laughs) uh, if there's a tie at the end of the trivia round, at the end of the knowledge off, then we go through a round of guess the date of this movie. Call that sudden death. Sudden death. Sudden date of movie. Yeah. And whoever comes closest to the date of the movie, uh, just in year, we're not going to say September. I've got a good one picked, so I'm almost hoping we tie. Yeah, I I think I've got one rounded up as well. This should be pretty fun. So whoever wins all that will get first pick. And first pick, I think, is key. Are you looking forward to getting first pick, or are you sort of (laughs) willy-nilly about it? You know, I've... I've thought about this more than I should have. I'm embarrassed to admit. No, I'm, I think, I'm even I think more embarrassed than you. Way, you know, the first ru- the first pick is it's so much pressure, and uh, yeah, I, I I vacillated each way and I didn't come to a conclusion. <laughs> wow, you're sounding like uh, like Al Davis or, or some I'm, horrible GM, Matt Millen. Yeah, I'm like a presidential candidate, just flip-flopping on events left and right, man. Yeah, the nervous GM that shouldn't have the job and ends up picking the horrible quarterback. Yes, I'm about to go Jamarcus Russell on everyone here, so... (laughs) (laughs) All right, so before we begin, let me go through the categories. These deserve some props. We kind of teased at the last one, but uh, they they need to get out in the sunshine and get a little air on them. Right, so category one. The stranger on the train entered my rear window and gave me vertigo. The American films of Alfred Hitchcock. Bravo, yes. Number two. Hitchcock hack or slasher, the films by Brian De Palma. So this is all the films of Brian De Palma, not just a section, but all of them. Pick anyone you like. So... Ingmar Bergman, don't be so depressed, buddy. You're surrounded by hot blondes. Indeed. What does he have to be so upset about? Yeah, the guy's so sad he lives in Sweden. Come on, get over it, pal. Yeah, yeah. The films of 1999, Y2K, why not? Yes. Slightly recent, good year for films. Yeah. Okay, David Lynch, at first I thought he was creepy, then I realized he just likes boobs. <laughs> uh, once you understand that, it all becomes clear. Yeah, boobs exactly. Yeah. yeah, boobs, coffee, yeah, that's sort of, yeah. Italian suspense films of the early 70s, You Say Jello, I Say Giallo. Oh, that's a wheelhouse one right there. Yeah, that that one is uh, the fastball for Matt. Yeah. Just put it on the outside of the plate and he'll uh, he'll take it deep. <laughs> I'll do my best. Walt Disney, I'm not a racist. Some of my best friends are mice. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, yes. Yeah. And then the last one, SNL in film. If a MacGruber plays at a theater and no one sees it, did it really happen? That is a long and varied history. Mostly 
very so, yes. So I will reveal the category I picked and then ask you the first question, Matt. All right, Tom. So this is the category you're going to punish me with. That's correct. And right. I'm thinking for the next competition we do, we will probably remove the categories that were used and maybe add a new one. These old ones may get recycled back in, but we'll see. I concur. I like that idea. I picked the Hitchcock category. Stranger ah. on the train entered my rear window and gave me vertigo. Okay, so not a not an unfriendly category to me. I've seen a couple Hitchcock films, uh, aware of some of his body of work, read a book or two. I've I've given you a fighting chance on this one. I just did the air, you know, cracking my knuckles. I'm stretching out. I'm uh, getting re- getting limber. So, so this is a multiple choice question. Yeah, you've All got right. three choices on each question. I've got my pen ready. I got my graphing calculator, my TI-81. Right. I'm ready. Okay. Go. <laughs> the movie Rope was meant to look uncut and harmonious, as we have both seen. Yes. In order to pull this off, Hitchcock locked the camera in inanimate objects and changed the film reel. How many takes are there in Rope? Okay. So how many times did he change the camera reel? How many times did they cut with okay. these long takes? Yeah. A, 8... B seven, C ten. Oof. Well, I'm I'm gonna think this out aloud because we're not on Jeopardy. Uh, no. So I know it's a relatively short movie. Um, somewhere I think south of even 80 minutes. And I also seem to recall that the film canisters lasted about eight minutes. But I might have just been subjected to that with your impression. The first number you said was eight, and it could have easily been ten, which really doing the math of 80 minutes divided by these numbers doesn't help me whatsoever. So you see, I just chased my own tail there right back to the beginning. I'm saying nothing. Yep. Um, So I'm going to go on the high side, say C, 10. That's my final answer. I'm not phoning a friend. Bam. I circled it. You nailed it, son. Hot diggity dog. It is one nothing. You just nailed the home run. That's exciting. Should I keep track of this or something? I'm keeping track of it. Don't worry about it. I'm doing M and a T. I'm going to draw a really big one next to my name. I'm going to pre-draw a zero next to yours. No, wait. um, Okay, so I guess it's my turn. I'm really feeling good about that, by the way. Yeah, I bet you are. That was was a nice little softball. I appreciate that. I'm playing from behind already, and it makes me nervous. (laughs) So for my category, I mean, they're all pretty, pretty awesome, and... And it was it was a difficult decision. I decided, like you said, this was a good year for films. We're gonna party like it's the films of 1999, Tom. Wow, interesting yeah. category. Why 2K? To pick, Matt. Why not? Why not? There's a lot of lot of good material there to work with uh, in terms of the movies themselves and you know the business of of film in that era. And we both kind of went through it, so we've kind of got maybe some stories. I figured would get sparked up along the way, if it were. Yeah, definitely. College days, 1999 for both of us. Yeah, so here, this, this is should be a relatively on par, I think, with your difficulty of your question, but we'll see. All right, Thomas, are you ready? I am ready, Matt. You're, you're limber. I don't want you blowing out a hammy here. Yeah, this is my shooting hand. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right, which of the following films was not nominated for Best Picture for 1999 film? Okay. Academy Awards. And as we mentioned, there was a lot of good movies, so... There were. This will be a tough one. Yeah. All right. So we've got A, and these... Which one was not nominated? Not, not. Yes. All right. So A, Cider House Rules, B, The Insider, or C, The Hurricane. Oh, wow. Yeah. All you would think were probably uh, in contention. 
So the outs, the insider I know was nominated, or at least, at least I want to say I'm pretty sure. I do remember <laughs> that that year there was contention over one of them not being nominated. And we need to uh, play Ghetto Boys. Uh, my mind's playing tricks on me right now. <laughs> Cue that up into the middle here. <laughs> you know something for certain, then you're talking yourself right out of it immediately. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Insider was nominated, so I'm going to cross that off the list. And we have the Hurricane, and we have Cider House Rules. And I think the controversy was that Cider House Rules was nominated, and the Hurricane wasn't when most people thought the Hurricane was a better movie. So I'm going to go with the Hurricane. Final answer. Bravo, Thomas. Well done, man. Your logic was spot on as well, because I do seem to remember a lot of... What? Cider House was nominated stories? Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm sure it was a fine film, but I doubt it's it's aged very well. Anyways, just popping that in on a random Thursday night, taking yeah. that in. Yeah, let's just pop in Cider House rules, honey. Okay. Yeah, whereas The Hurricane actually has held up fairly well. I know I watched it myself a year or two ago. It was pretty Did good. You? Like, yeah. Good for you. Okay, Matt, I'm stepping it up All a right. notch here. One to one, I'm, man. Oh. Yeah. I'm going All for right. the nose on this one. All right. What is the name of the hotel that Scotty follows Madeline to in the movie Vertigo? Oh, my goodness. Is it A, the McKittrick Hotel, B, the Spring Hill, or C, Sherwood Hotel? That that is a tough one. Yeah. Let me know if you need a repeat on any of that. Nothing's jumping out at me. Okay. Uh, You know... I'm gonna I'm gonna go with McKittrick Hotel. I, I don't know if what, why what's calling me out, what's singing to me there, but I'm gonna go with A. I really thought that I was gonna shut you out or come pretty close. There's gonna be a low ball score, but you nailed the second one too. Wow, there, that must have been a dormant memory right there. Oh man, I can't believe I'm putting another notch underneath your name. The Sherwood Hotel, by the way, is located in Waterford, Michigan. In case you're curious. <laughs> That, that is, see, now that's just downright cruel to try to awaken all my, my do- long dormant Waterford, Michigan memories. Oh, Shout I was out really to Waterford. Yeah, nice work, Tom. Thank you. That's Thank a good you. one. Drats. Yeah. Okay. That's two more answers than I thought I was going to get right, so. Yeah, no kidding. I, I thought we were, yeah, anyway. Yeah. <sighs> Clear my head. All right. Are you ready for, for number two? I'm ready for number two. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about the business of film in the year 1999. Oh, are, good Are you ready for that? God. Yes. Yeah. So what was the total box office gross for the year 1999? Now, I'm not a cruel man. I'm not a cruel man, Tom. I'm going to give you a hint. Uh-huh. And the average ticket price was $6. So uh, there you well, go. That's the hint you. for you. Wow. I'll okay. do the math right now then. <laughs> exactly. So our options are A, $6.5 billion, B, $7.5 billion, or C, $8.5 billion. There's no way I can actually reason any of this in my head, so I'm going with $6.5 billion. Oh, everybody knows it was $7.5 billion. <laughs> and everybody knows when in doubt, pick B. That's why I put it in, in the middle. Yeah. $7.5 billion. That, that was a mean one. That was... Yeah. But maybe... I, mean, I guess I... I yeah. Well, I, I'll sleep well still, with, in spite of asking you that no, question. No, no, no. We said the beginning, make it as tough as possible. We did. It's multiple choice, so at least you can guess. 
That's one and three, exactly. Wow. I just happened to have defied the odds twice. So this is top of the ninth right here. If I don't if I don't shut you down now, then we don't even see the bottom of the ninth, although I guess we'll sport it out, right? Oh, we gotta. I mean, I wasted all this good banter for nothing. <laughs> Nay, sir. Nay. So number three, Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock worked under famed yes, producer David O. Selznick in his early Hollywood years. Yes. What was the last Hitchcock film oh. that O. Selznick was credited on? Nice. All right. Is it A, Paradigm Case, B, Spellbound, or C, Under Capricorn? I'm going to go, I think of the three, the only one that I distinctly remember seeing uh, is Spellbound. Mm -hmm. And I seem to distinctly remember him being involved, and I'm about to get deep pants when you tell me he wasn't. So I am going to say Spellbound. Holy crap, you nailed it. Wow. And the, nice. And the reason, yeah, oh, I should have made this better. <laughs> yeah, so. And it was Paradigm Case was significantly earlier than that, or was it directly before? It was after Spellbound, actually. Uh, and David O. Selznick was producer, but he wasn't credited. I believe he wanted to remove oh. his name from it, or Hitchcock wanted him to remove his name from it. I know the two had a tenuous relationship. Yeah, for certain. But that's why I threw both of those on there. Not that you would know the story and then be rethinking yourself, but I thought that maybe you would pick one over the other and have no clue. Wow. So you just, uh, you swept me on that. Three for three. Holy cow. Three for three. Well, I mean, you've got you to gotta bring it home now for here, though. I mean, this is for for honor. Yeah, this is just softball at this point. Holy cow. All right. You, re you ready for, for lucky number three? I this am. one's you. Hit me with it. And I'm going to do a shout-out to... Uh, one of our other categories here and, and try to try to bring it all together. And that's how much thought I put in. I think this. I know where you're going so, with this one. Okay. So this is a shout out to uh, one of, you know, one of our more favorite directors, Mr. De Palma. This is a, a shout out to De Palma here. De Palma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as of 1999, yes. How many feature length films had Mr. De Palma directed? Yeah, okay. And for bonus points, <laughs> which was the best one. So you could almost make it up. Here, with the bonus question. So, your options for the number of films De Palma had directed as of 1999. Okay. A, 24. B, 17. C, 28. Okay. Those are our three. Uh, and then you can tell me of those movies, pre-inclusive of 1999, what was his best film? What was his best film? Last film. Last film. What was his best film as of 1999? That's a bonus point. Oh, what was his and best film? Me, yes. Oh, I think he said last film. Well, that's pretty subjective. No. no. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking he started in the late 60s, but I think he mostly did shorts at that point. He didn't do a whole lot of movies later on, at least in the 90s. True. Uh, he, I think he did a number in the 70s. Let's see, between... I'm going to say 17. I, I don't think he did more than that. If he did, I'll be very surprised and impressed. I was surprised myself. The answer is 24. Wow, how about that? Well, I just got I, rocked. I was very surprised. There was, there were several shorts I did not include there in the beginning. The number would have been higher yet. But yeah, your, your thinking was completely uh, right on. Yeah. And by the way, the official answer for the best pre-1999 movie is obviously Snake Eyes. <laughs> And that's only because Black Dahlia had not been released yet. Oh, so. well, we're going there yeah. then. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, how can you mess up Black Dahlia? Man, oh, yeah, impossible. Yeah. Snake Eyes was good for 20 minutes. <laughs> Snake you know? Eyes was good for 20 you minutes. Know, it was like, <laughs> that's like, it pulled you in. You were in, and then it just kept pushing you out for the next 70. 
But it did give us a couple scenes and the uh, Nick Cage losing his shit. So really, it was it was a gift we didn't even realize at the time. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason that movie was made. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, Matt. You won the knowledge Cheap. off. We don't even go to sudden death. You just completely blew me out. So with that, you here are awarded the first pick. Nice. This, oh, man. this is something I, I wanted. I don't know if I want it. Yeah, because yeah. there was definitely a movie that I wanted with the top pick. And I'll tell you what it is when we get to that point. But okay. now I would like to introduce the main event. Yeah. I'm officially requesting you call me champion, champ, uh, Rocky, sport, you know, from now on. Hmm. You know, hmm. A title appropriate of my stature. You know, in uh, professional sports, the person who has the number one overall pick is usually the biggest loser. Oh, that's true. And all the pressure's on me. You know, if I end up winning, you can say, well, I, of course he won. I had second pick. I mean, I'm in a no-win situation right yeah, now. I'm going to put my hands up. I don't know what I can do. What, what can I do yeah, better? Exactly. Well, I'm hoping to hear the groan. And should we start the main event at this point? The main event is now about to begin. <sighs> the summer right, box office draft for 2011. Ten films will be picked. Five by myself. Five by Matt. Matt has the first pick. This is not a snake draft, ladies and gentlemen. This is one, two, one, two. A, B, A, B. It just depends on, you know, you say potato, I say potato. That's correct. And we are scoring this draft by using Box Office Mojo after the weekend, so the Monday following September 16th. So we get to accrue all sorts of dollars up until that point. And U.S. only. And U.S. only. And then at that point, we will decide a winner. And we'll give you updates along the way to let you know how both of us are doing. I hope to shoot out to an early lead and then never, (laughs) never go behind. That would be (laughs) ideal. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, you don't want it to be something where we're we're sweating it out as uh, certain movies start to grow. I'd like to grow on Easy Street the whole time, as a matter of fact. All right, Matt. With the number one overall pick, do you know who you're going to take? I do. And you know... (laughs) First of all, I guess we should both say that this is not our judgment of the quality of the film. No, sir. No, sir. And, and neither do I want to sound completely aloof. I'm sure probably from one of these ten films I, I might end up seeing theatrically. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, but we expect said, most of these movies to be pretty bad. But we also expect them to make lots of money. I, I absolutely. I think I don't think there's going to be a lot of stinkers in our collective list here. Right. Uh, and like both of us have talked before the podcast, I think we both had more than 10 movies that we thought are going to be $100 million plus movies. Yeah. I mean, it's just... There are even some that I left off the list that I think were contenders for $100 million. And then there's always a couple that sort of sneak in there that you don't expect. Yeah. So, all right. We've, we've built up the first pick long enough. I know the, the drama. I'm sure everyone's on the edge of their seat. Some people have run their cars off of the road. Uh, in anticipation of what's about to happen. Just squeezing that steering so, wheel. So I've got a lot of, of Roman numerals here I've got to count up to figure out before I give the official title Ooh. here. This is uh, Harry Potter XV... I, I... Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollow 2. It's 18, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah. Deathly Hallows Part 2. Yeah, this is the sequel because... within the sequel. Yeah. Correct. And... I... I, I feel okay picking that as number you know, one. The, I, I, this is the safety pick, I think, of the whole thing. Like, if you want to go yeah. safe, you want to guarantee yourself at least $300 million, this is the yeah. one to pick. Because when we were looking at the seat, or when I was looking at the last three movies that were made, 
They each made yeah. $300 million each. So this is a solid $300 million, and this is the last one, apparently. And you know what else played into my mind? And this is going to be true for probably <clears throat> most of the movies we pick. We, we've got 3D going on here. Yeah. And that's going to be true for a lot of them, so that's an extra buck. Yeah, for sure. I know we've got IMAX going on for this one, so that's an extra 10 bucks for some of them. Yeah. And I know at my local Megaplex here, they've got this D-Box system that it has, like, the chair that's actually physically motorized that you're sitting in, and then it's got fans and crap and blows scents at you and everything, and that's, like, over 20 bucks for a ticket for to see this Harry Potter movie. I'd like to see so, a Judd Apatow movie with that. They're blowing scents at you and get a whiff of, uh, <laughs> you know, Seth Rogen well, fart or something like that. Huh? There'd be some fart and then some, Bring some it. Mary Jane probably going back and forth, yeah. Yeah, so this one comes out so, July 15th. Yeah. And uh, so you got plenty of time to accrue your dollars on that one. You know, I have seen and read zero Harry Potter books, Ditto. movies. Yeah. I've given not a nickel to this franchise, and I don't think I'm yeah. going to start now, but it's intriguing because this is the last one. This is the one where it ends. So when I said that $300 million mark, it could easily eclipse that just because it is the final episode. I think the buildup could be huge, and uh, yeah, they're going to try to capitalize and, you know, of course, re-releasing all the old ones and, you know, getting special editions of the first part of this, you know, two-parter of the eight-part series or whatever out on Blu-ray mm. the week before, um, you know, all the normal stuff. So well, we're only doing the box most office important receipts question. within the U.S., so... True, true. So back off your Blu-ray. most important question, Tom, uh, Hermione's new haircut, dude. Yay or nay, man. Yay or nay on what? Hermione's new haircut. She got a new haircut, dude. Who, who who got a new haircut? Never mind. Oh, God. Yeah, that was a shout-out. Extra bonus, by the way, we're pulling in adult and kid dollars for this one, which you know, <laughs> not true for all of them. So. Yeah. yeah. There are a few. All right, Tom. Okay. The good news, you know, number two, all the pressure's off, buddy. And you know, you know. I think half our listeners probably just turned off the radio figuring I just won. I don't think so, Matt, because that's not even the movie I had as number one. I noticed there was a there was a distinct lack of aw shucks, which bummed me out big time. Yeah, yeah. You know when yeah. I first started making this list and I started looking at the box office receipts, box office receipts, I thought Harry Potter was going to be the one for me. I even just you know I I, I looked at it and I thought this is the one that's going to make yeah. the money because you can depend on it. Indeed, it's like an interest bearing CD. You know, it's it's guaranteed to do well for sure. And then I looked at a couple more movies. Let me back you up a step here. Transformers Please. 1 made $319 million. Not a bad take. Do you know how much Transformers 2 made? I'm I'm afraid you're going to tell me that it's even more than that. $400 million, 108 in the first week. Wow. So with the second overall pick, I pick Transformers Dark of the Moon. Transformers Dark of the Moon. <laughs> Is that the actual subtitle? Or? Yeah, it sounds like it's missing a word, doesn't it? I mean, yes, it does. It sounds like it should be... I didn't know if you were joking or not. Yeah, it's it's dark of the moon. It should be dark side of the moon. And I checked this number of times. Like I saw it on a website, and I thought, wow, they really screwed up this website. What a bunch of jokers! And then I looked on IMDb. I looked at movie posters, and it's dark of the moon. That is a head scratcher. <laughs> but the entire Transformer series is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I know I know a guy. Who, Transformers is actually his favorite movie of all time and as i was reviewing transformers i pictured in my mind a hundred million other jim davies and i thought i should pick this number one but i didn't yeah yeah you know because there are there are those people out there well, and this is one movie i am willing to sound like a pompous you know jerk basically and oh, say yeah. 
that's a bad movie. You should not go see it. And I haven't even seen it I yet, either, and you don't see it. I will yeah. either quietly or actively, you know, judge you <laughs> if you go and see it. So hate me if you want, but that's bad. Bad entertainment. I do have friends that are eagerly awaiting this one, so I'll I'll bite my tongue a little bit. But uh, <laughs> and then you can say, "Can you believe the Matt guy? What a jerk! Yeah, yeah jackass Matt. Yeah, he's you know, a, bomb his Twitter. He's the jerk you know? off of the group." Yeah. It, oh, absolutely. God, I, I agree. I mean, man, those numbers are pretty impressive, and yeah, I I see how you can pull in, and I assume that's a PG thirteen thing. So again, they're going to be pulling in some some teenagers and some adults like Buddy Jim who. Has no taste in movies. Yeah, I, I was reading the. You know, I don't even know what to make of this. Autobots learn of a Cybertronian spacecraft hidden on the moon, racing the Decepticons to get there. What, what the hell's going on at this movie? I, I don't even know what that means. I watched the trailer, yeah. and it's you know the first few mo- moments are, you know, Optimus Prime talking to Francis McDormand or whatever and saying, "You should have <laughs> told us all the information," in his Optimus Prime voice, which I did not pull off there. And then, wasn't bad. And, yeah, thank you. And then, <laughs> so that's thirty seconds. And then there's two minutes of just complete shrapnel and noise. You know, just <laughs> metal grinding on metal, things uh. punching things, people jumping out of planes, and you know, they see Chicago getting destroyed. I mean, it looks pretty interesting because they did film this thing pretty much all over the world. Yeah. And seventy uh, percent of the film is actually shot in three D. So you know, they're going to be scraping up some cash yeah. there. Opens indeed July first, but. Man, this is not a movie I'm fired up about. No. And the worst part, I, I envisioned in my mind's eye here, opening night, we got the Transformers fans. Some people are wearing, like, uh, Optimus Prime helmets and shit. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm envisioning the first time a car transforms into a robot, people are literally clapping in the theater. What are the odds oh, of that God. actually happening? Yeah, I know. I think the odds are pretty good. You can go to many cities and probably <laughs> find that that happening, you know, oh. find that same action. Oh. I'd honestly rather see Fast Five than I would rather see Transformers Three. <laughs> oh God, bag it up! That's a bold statement, but that is that is factual. Wow, wow. Oh man! All right, Tom, a solid number two pick. Thank I you. can't argue. Thank you. Uh, the bad news is I actually had that as my number three pick. Oh boy, here it comes. Now, this is another franchise, and isn't it sad that we're going to pick sequels probably for a lot of our our top ten? Quite but... a bit of it, I would say. Yeah. And again, I feel sorry for for doing this, but Pirates of the Caribbean for Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger. That was my number two. Yeah, yeah. that's a solid I mean, pick, Matt. I, I did the the look up and Pirates three. I think I've seen the first one. I never saw two or three. Yeah. Uh, but I understand three was pretty universally reviled as being really horrible and just kind of highly influenced by Mr. Depp's. Uh, Desire to have a strong character acting type role. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one made $960 million. Now that's worldwide. Yeah, it made 309 if you look at that, just the U.S. map. That's a lot of cheddar, Tom. That is. That's pretty uh, significant. Yeah. I think if you stacked uh, $309 bills together, it would be big. Right. If you back and, it up a uh, step to Dead Man's Chest, did you see how much that one made? No. $425 million. All right, so we're on the downward slope a bit. Yeah, but I mean, that's why it was my number two, because if you started at that and you had some problems with the third one and you corrected it in number whatever this one is for, I guess it is, then 
And that's what I'm worried about with Transformers. I think that it's the third one, but I mean, the first two were so bad in the first place. Why does it matter? Yeah, and it's and yours have been going in the right direction. <laughs> now, as a side note, how can Johnny Depp take himself so seriously when now he has, you know, ten and eleven hours of film committed to him playing a character from a five-minute Disney World ride? How can he possibly? be that pompous is, is just the tourist is that what keeps him going you know i'm sure like he has like 20 million reasons that he can be pretty happy <laughs> with that i but he just i mean I, I think if you dare call johnny depp not an artist he will stab you with his fake plastic sword from pirates of the caribbean 4 <laughs> that they probably sell at disney world and yeah. he's getting he's getting a piece of that action you know but he's a serious artist right so penelope <laughs> cruz <laughs> penelope cruz is in this one no cure nightly i'm not sure how that's going to affect it yeah, that that I I guess Kirk Knightley or whatever uh, a little too skeletal for my taste. So yeah, I agree. Probably, I agree. I don't like yeah. that trend so much. Agreed. Yeah. And then Rob Marshall is the director. I'm not sure what to make of that because the movies he's done in the past, Memoirs of a Geisha in Chicago. I don't know how Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean fits in with those. Wow. Yeah. That must have been influenced by Mr. Depp. He he loved Memoirs of a Geisha, and he wasn't <laughs> going to come back unless he had his own stylist and. Uh, director of <laughs> this ilk was uh, was attached. Absolutely. Uh, we need Rob Marshall uh, for this one sat. Yeah. <laughs> Bring in RM. He's my boy. <laughs> and it actually premiered at Cannes a couple weeks back, if you can believe that. My goodness. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, yeah, exactly. That just follows right in with the pompousness, the pompeity of, of the film and its origins and then just being in stark contrast to what is actually delivered and what's promised. Or Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I'm feeling good so far. Harry Potter, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. It's pretty much going that. as I expected. Okay. So, boy. So there's a big drop-off after those three movies, at least in my mind. I don't mind. know. I'm feeling real good about four and five. Are you really? Yeah. Okay. You know, corresponding. Uh, I think I have two more movies. I wouldn't be surprised if they do more than any of the top three. Really? I'm yeah. shocked by that statement. Yeah. Okay, so I guess it's time for me to make pick number four. I'm not sure you if this one's. I'm not sure where this one's going to fall on your list. This one all right. may not be anywhere near it, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. The Hangover Part Two. The Hangover Part Two. Wow, interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, our first real upset, I think, at this point in this the. This comes time. out at 5:27, which is this week, the week we're taping. Yeah. The first one was just insanely popular. It was. And I think it got more popular after DVD. That's kind of what I'm banking on, or at least right. after the release. It made $280 million. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. I don't have the numbers for it domestic. Damn. Okay. But I'm projecting it to make about 280 That's the wow. number hitting there. Okay. I saw the first one, and you probably yeah. saw it as well. Yeah. And it was okay. It was... A decent comedy film. I would say about a five or a six. But what really got me was yeah. all these people who were trying to compare it to Caddyshack and Animal House. Is this the best film in the last 30 years? Or the best comedy film in the last 30 years? Is this the funniest movie you've ever seen? I don't know. It just didn't bring the last to me, even as much as some of Todd Phillips' earlier films. What did you think of it? Here's my... I'll read my note verbatim here. I, I have the uh, worldwide gross. So I said... Uh, the original had a gross of $467 million in spite of the fact that it isn't even funny. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I mean, I it, it seemed to me to be uh, maybe one of the precursors of the original social 
vibe movie. I mean, I guess Blair, Blair Witch Project or something really set the pace for that, but it just seemed like people liked it because other people liked it. It was like a snowball effect or something. Yeah, I, was I don't know. surprised that, that, I mean, yes, there were a few chuckles, mm-hmm. and I basically chalked up, uh, I had this ranked number six, personally. Okay, I had it and, five, uh, but I decided to move it up again, uh, over four, yeah. I mean, I had them at the same rate, but I figured since this was a sequel, it might get a little bit of a better bump. So There is the monkey bonus. People love monkeys, uh, and Mike Tyson, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And those are two separate things. Naked Chinamen, but, they love those, too. Yeah. yeah. Here's here's my my problem, biggest problem with The Hangover 2, the R rating. You know, I just think yeah. it's such a tiny market, and... For for the majority of my life, I had considered, well, what's the problem with R rating? But then, mm-hmm. you know, if I have a random Thursday off and I, you know, decide to go to a two o'clock movie, and there's like a thousand children there, and they're all like feeding money into the movie god. Here you go, Mister. I don't know. Their parents give them twenty or hundred dollar bills to go to the movies. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's so expensive to go to even to go to the movies. I don't understand how this is possible. But there's like a sea of children, and this is just in the middle of a random Thursday. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's hard to bet against the the G movies, and that that's not to not to tease. I think that's where I'm heading next. Okay, okay, yeah. So a few more notes on the Hangover Part Two. Yes. They're bringing back Zach Galifianakis, who was the one funny thing in the first Hangover, right? His whole wolf pack speech actually had me laughing. Right. After that, he had a few funny moments, but then I thought the character was overplayed to the point that it was not funny again. Yeah, I I didn't like the fact that he was able to pull himself together in order to win, like, thousands of dollars playing blackjack in Vegas. I mean, just, like, things like that. There's certain things that bug me about Todd Phillips' movies. The fact that Bradley Cooper was pandering to... Mike Tyson when they got into it. Hey, champ. Oh, yeah, I loved you in that fight. Oh, yeah, that was great. You know, there's just some certain elements in his films that just seem so amateurish that I wish he would remove and scrape away so you could actually focus on some of the the things that he's good at and things that he makes funny. Yeah, yeah. So Helms, Galifianakis, and Cooper are back, plus the other guy whose name nobody knows and nobody cares about. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. There's one funny note about this, too. I think Tyson's back for this as well. But the funny note, there was a lawsuit concerning one of the posters that was just uh, dismissed today, actually. Okay. And the lawsuit was this. The guy who tattooed Mike Tyson's face was suing (laughs) because there's a poster of Ed Helms' face with the same tattoo on it for Hangover 2. Nice. That's his art, baby. Intellectual property? I don't know. But the judge threw it out today, and Uh uh, they're opening this week, and I'm hoping that they rake in lots of moolah. they got a lot of days to do it, right? They're going from May until the end of September. That's true. Hopefully they can sustain it. Well, me and uh, the the tattoo artist are going to be out picketing and saying it's a bad movie, and people might not like to... Oh, God. And and I've been doing a little bit of research in terms of The the Hangover 2 and and the buzz beforehand. Uh Uh-huh. My local 7-Eleven has uh, Hangover 2 cups. There's a lot of them left. So right there, we got some anecdotal evidence. That thing's going to flop. Oh, God. And that was my number two pick. (laughs) It's a total Jamarcus Russell right there, potentially. You just just went Jamarcus, exactly. (laughs) Well, we'll see. I'm hoping that the first one catapults this one, even if it is just hysterically horrible. That, that That is the gamble. Matt, you got number five. What is it, pal? All right, so I'm feeling better, by the way. We're nearing the halfway point, kind of rounding the rounding the uh, 
the bend, and uh, I'm feeling good about that one spot now at this point. I'm happy with what I got. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm I'm ready to move forward. So this is a total toss up, and I kind of teased. Yeah. I was going I was going G rating last time. I know where you're going, and I'm not sure which one you're going to pick, but go ahead. Yep, I'm going to go Cars Two. Cars Two. Oh man, that's the one I wanted. That's all right though. Yeah. And I've got a number here that's bigger than any number that we've said beforehand. Okay. Five billion dollars. A lot you of want to know what that number is? That's how much it's made in merchandise. I'll give I'll give you some ideas of what five billion dollars translates into. First of all, okay, it's the gross domestic product of Zimbabwe. <laughs> okay. That's a fact. That's a fact. You can buy thirty-four <laughs> Boeing seven forty-sevens. Thirty-four. Thirty-four. Wow. Well, you could also buy the Yankees. The Knicks, the Giants, the Rangers, <laughs> the Mets, and the Jets oh, for $5 no. billion, Tom. Can you toss in the Islanders, too? <laughs> I think they're probably, yes, they're like the, the detriment after after you spend the $5 billion and they throw so. the Islanders in. Yeah. That is how much merchandising money Disney made <sighs> off the original cars. Can you believe that? I can, because my nephew runs around with a little car's backpack on, and he has a car shirt. And I'm thinking if there's one of him, how many more out there just like him at that age? I think he's uh, uh, like yeah. four or five now. And, uh, yeah, he's been on the Toy Story, the Cars kick. I mean, just the whole thing. And uh, this is, you know, one of those movies that, uh, like you said, it sort of panders to the kids. They like seeing yeah. the Lightning McQueen and has, you know, pretty decent storyline, it sounds like. it's uh, He's going to join forces in some international race with... <laughs> you did some research on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that number. I'm like, put a stamp on it. I'm ready. Yeah, Moving on. Yeah. It's a John Lasseter Pixar pick, and, you know, John Lasseter rarely makes a wrong move when it comes to movies, so this is a pretty clean hit, I would say. But this here's true. Here's a problem for me. Yeah. But it's not a problem for my nephew, Liam. Yeah. There's no Paul Newman. Paul Newman's passed on. No. Yeah, He's I don't think uh, the, the, the wheelhouse audience is going to be uh, too bummed about that. Yeah. So the original, I've got uh, 460 million. That may be worldwide, but Two, man, if 244 uh, is what I had for the, the original US? one. Okay. Yes. So I mean, if you're making five billion dollars, you don't even care about the movie. The movie is irrelevant. So Disney is oh, yeah. not even in the the business of making movies. They're in the business of making bed sheets, underwear, and your nephew's backpack, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Which I guess really shouldn't be that big of a surprise, but uh, I'm hoping that all that, I mean, it's kind of stayed common in the culture, honestly, the original Cars movie. I still see Cars, you know, material today, which you can't really say about, you know, Transformers 1. I don't see a lot of dorks walking around with their Optimus Prime helmet, you know, in the middle of January. (laughs) Uh, But I see little Come to Chicago, pal. I I see little ankle biters with their Cars backpacks, you know, rolling around. Yeah, that's for sure. Anyways, uh, cars. Yeah, I'm feeling good about that one. You should I think feel it's gonna, good. I think it's gonna leapfrog the 200 some odd million of the first. Well, you're sort of in my territory. All these movies I have on my list now are sort of in that same ballpark. I wrote 275 or 280 next to about three more movies. All right. And I'm going with Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, I mean, you gotta. You pretty much do. The first one made 215, which is just barely behind Cars. Yep. Um, and then from but I think it did better, actually, overseas than uh, Cars 2. I don't know if uh, the Asian Maybe. folk were into it or what have yeah. you. But, uh... Now, here's something I want to share for you, a little stat, and I think it plays up in Cars as well. Yeah. From yeah. Shrek 1 to Shrek 2, 
there was a 40% increase in revenue. Oof, that is, uh... Isn't that crazy? That is pretty nuts. And t- again, yeah, they must have been building up that brand, I guess. Yeah, and it opens Damn. a month earlier than Cars 2, so I got that going for me. You do, yeah, I've, I've seen a few ads for it already, so... <laughs> And uh, uh, our good friend yeah. Poe, who's voiced by, uh, what the guy's name again? Jack Black. Jack that, Black, that? that's correct. Joins yeah. forces with a group of kung fu masters to take on an old enemy with a new weapon. I think I stole that from IMDb because yeah. I don't know what the new weapon is. But it may be Angelina Jolie as she voices one of the characters. Right. That's a weapon. <laughs> See, I had that one rated in about the 275 range, but... You know, it could have a, a more significant jump than that. We'll see. That could have legs. And, and if we're going to make some bold predictions, you know, at the end or along the way, I'm not going to be surprised if Cars 2 or Kung Fu Panda 2 make more money than one of our top four picks. I mean, I I would not be surprised whatsoever if that happened. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I know in my research, I think some of these other movies, and it, it surprised me if that was the case, but some of these other movies that had prequels, I guess you could say, the Pirates of the Caribbean, the Harry Potters, it seemed like yeah. those were still raking in more U.S. when you look at the top ten list for the previous years. But again, I mean, the logic is sane to think that a movie like Cars, if you've already built up the franchise, or Kung Fu Panda, if you got kids exactly. walking around with a t-shirt, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, and just uh, one one uh, tie-in with a Burger King Happy Meal or whatever that's a hit, and you mm-hmm. know that could be add $100 million to your account or whatever. I mean, it's just pretty crazy. Or even, you know, a re-release, you know, later in the, again, which will probably work out well for you with the Kung Fu Panda. They got a lot longer time to try to play around and try to get a second wind if they mm-hmm. do another marketing push, you know. Yeah. Try to counter something that happens later in the summer. All right. So we haven't jumped out of my top ten yet. No, no, and me I've, neither. We've I've kind got, of... I've got two that are sort of ranked pretty close to each other. One of them I think may be a surprise for you, though, but we'll see. I'm curious to see what you pick, Matt, with number seven. Well, I, I think there's a bit of a drop-off at this point. Um, really? Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if the next movies we pick uh, do similarly well, but I don't think they're nearly as guaranteed as, as what we've for sure. gone through. Before. I think the top six, and those were all the top six. You know, I had a different order, but those were the six I picked, you know, I ranked. Okay. Up top. Um, so I'm kind of debating between, honestly, four or five at this point. Okay. Um, I don't think I'm, I'm going to stick with my pre-ranking um, and go with Captain America, the first Avenger. Captain America. And wow. I think you can hear my voice. I'm not really too excited about that. But the numbers seem to tell me that I should be happy with getting this here. Hmm. And... Here, here are the numbers I have, and these are probably, again, worldwide takes. Absolutely, uh, which, sure. So Spider-Man 3, $890 million. Iron Man 2, $623 million. Oh, God. Iron X-Men Man. 3, $460 million. And Thor, against all odds, which we missed, you know, that in our thing. Yeah. That seems to be on track to make four or $500 million, Tom. If that doesn't... Worldwide. Renew your faith in humanity right there. I don't know what's going to. By the way, I, I must say this, though. Uh, from our last podcast when we trashed Thor, I had a, yeah. not to tangent too much, but I had a, a co-worker who came up to me and he said, <laughs> oh, so you're going to bash Thor now? I see how it is. Yeah. I swear, if you take three phone books from three major cities and burn them, you would probably yeah. not be burning the name of a Thor fan. But somehow a guy I work with you yeah. know, heard the podcast and was upset about us bashing on Thor. Wow. A passionate Thor fan. Yeah. Semi-passionate, wow. I guess. But Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, those numbers, I, I, 
<clears throat> I, th- I thought 30 people would go see a Thor movie, and, and yet there it is. And I think they're going to be able to drum up some American themes and some some uh, patriotism and try to really whip in maybe a, a guest star of uh, Iron Man or whatever and mm-hmm. kind of capitalize on some of that built-in knowledge. Um, as far as the comic book connection, I know, being the comic nerd I am, Captain America way outsells Thor in terms of comic books. Okay. Um, so you've got that, you know, crazy contingent of people, myself included, I'm allowed to say crazy, um, <laughs> that are going to be going there, And though I don't go to comic book movies really, so I guess maybe I'm not too smart about that. Mm, but anyways. Back up that one. Um, yeah, Captain America, and again, I think we'll get some kids and some adults going to see that at the same time. I'm going to imagine that's a PG-13-er, but... Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, I had I had this one ranked as number 10 on my list. Okay. And I'll tell you why. I picked different movies to look at than you did. It was interesting to hear what movies you picked to compare this one. Yeah. I looked at the Fantastic Four, because I, oh. I put the Fantastic Four closer to Captain America, and maybe that's misinformation on my part, but they only made between 130 and 150 domestic between the two Fantastic Four movies. It's obvious to me right now that the Jets just don't understand what the draft's all about. <laughs> That's a belly See, punch. See, apparently I was being a bit selective in my numbers I was looking <laughs> at, yeah. Yeah, I think when you compare it to Thor, that's probably a pretty good comparison, too. Right. But maybe not Spider-Man so much. Maybe we're a bit oversaturated. Maybe all the Marvel Marvelites and Marvel love went out the window. I mean, this is probably the first summer that they've dumped, you know, two Marvel properties into uh, one summer, so I wonder right. if that's going to have a negative effect. Man, I'm talking myself out of this. Damn. Well, you're done, though. You picked yeah, it. Burnt. I, I already burnt. put an M next to it. Yeah. Captain but, yeah, so uh, it'll be interesting to see. Chris Evans, he's the one who plays um, Captain America in this. He was the one who was playing uh, Johnny Ball of Flame for Fantastic Four. What's with them repeating superheroes, characters yeah. for superheroes? Well, they're they're working towards the uh, the actual Avenger movie, hence the uh, subtitle of Captain America, uh, mm-hmm. the first Avenger. So I think they're going to try to do a big mega movie, you know, oh, Sam wow. Jackson as Nick Fury and bring Thor and everybody into one mega movie. I don't know what kind of budget they're going to have for that, but they're going to be going to ask for another loan from uh, somebody that Stan gives Lee. out loans. Yeah, <laughs> somebody that gives out loans like Stan Lee. But I, w- I want to give myself props. This is the first non-sequel movie. so I was going to mention kinda- that. Kind yeah. of busted that cherry right there, too. Oh, well, let me, thanks for letting me toot my own horn. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so Joe Johnson is the director. He directed Wolfman and Jurassic Park 3. Not the most notable money-making movies, but then again, he didn't have Captain America's name attached to either one. So Yeah. And the, at least, I mean, it's not as awkward as, some, as the last one we mentioned. At least he's done the Jurassic Park 3, kind of a summer blockbuster. Mm-hmm. His biggest movie isn't... Uh, a movie based on a novel that did minimal business and, right. you know, was artistic, so... Okay, Matt, so All right, this, Tom. Is, this is a tough one for me because I had two that are really close. Number eight. I mean, <sighs> as we've learned from our NFL drafts and playing around, really the difference makers happen in the bottom half of the draft. <laughs> so it may seem like I've already won, yeah. but you still have hope, Tom. I still have hope. Yeah. So the question is, do I go off past history or do I go ahead and try to bank it up like you did off of a new release, something that's not a sequel? Yeah. That's a tough one. And, um, okay, I'm going to stick with uh, my order here. This is yeah. the surprise. This is one of those movies that I think could be a surprise summer blockbuster. A sleeper, as it were. A sleeper. Yes. A sleeper, but I had it ranked high. Super 8. Super 8. Oh, that was my next one. I bet. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, well played, eh? 
Yeah. So J.J. Abrams, written and directed, produced by Steven Spielberg, and they put their name all over this thing. Comes out June 10th. Not shy about uh, advertising their their connection to this film. And you think about it, they have to be because it's one of those movies where they hide what's in the box. They can't show you a whole lot of what happens in the trailer. It's going to be one of these movies, at least as far as I can tell, that's going to be a shaky cam film. Oh, yes, right. unfortunately, yep. Elle Fanning's in it. I mean, we're not talking about huge names. <laughs> but What know. are you talking about? I wrote down the most powerful family in Hollywood. <laughs> the Fannings and the Baldwins. Freaking Fanning sisters. In that order, yeah. Yes. So, Fannings, Baldwins, Weinsteins. Yeah. So <laughs> Write it of, down. <laughs> yeah, you can even tell it's going to be shaky cam because a group of kids, you know, Super 8 too, right? There's your yeah. first clue. But a group of kids in Ohio are making a movie in 1979 a train crashes that is transporting some, and I put in double quotes, stuff, from Area yeah. 51. Yeah. So then all hell breaks loose. J.J. Abrams, very successful. Steven Spielberg, very successful. They're good at making these movies. They're good at, you know, getting that, you know, maybe the first week isn't the best week, but then that second week when people start really talking about it, the word of mouth, I think you already already like uh, laying the groundwork for having a bad opening. You know, you're kind of covering your own bases. Exactly. I like it. I have to. I have to. I'm. I'm still trying to recover. That was honestly my next pick as well. And you know, I had that as my number four overall, by the way. So when I picked Hangover and Kung Fu Panda, I was actually jumping the gun on that one because I thought sleeper. And did, you kind of read me correctly that I had it ranked a little lower, and it was probably still gonna be hanging around. Uh, there we go. There we go. Yeah. And I still so have... you could have got it early, like a Darko pick, and uh, you know popped popped down to number two, but it would have still been sitting there at the end. My Darko pick so far is uh, Hangover Part Two. It seems, at least from the way we're talking through it. But this is true. Yeah, the Super Eight. I mean, it's gonna get kind of that pull from both uh, the kids and the adults, I think. And like you said, holy cow. Uh, Spielberg and Abrams have not been very shy right. about their uh, tie-ins, and they're definitely going to be pushing this one, even yeah. more so than a typical Spielberg movie. But like you said, I think that's just because there's the the mystery in the box type of a situation. Right. And let me just say right now, of all the movies on our list, we're making fun of just about all of them. This is probably yeah. the one that I probably went into with the most respect for, yeah. the one that I thought I could probably see if there was a list of movies in front of me. It's the one that I could probably put on the high end of the list, the movies I want to see. It's the one I have the most curiosity about because it's, you know, what's in the box type movie. Yeah. But dang, I mean, movies with kid actors, uh, that's a that's a pet peeve. Yeah. Well, at least it'll be a shaky cam, Super 8, and, you know, that might help. If one, if one of the kids, you go watch it and tell me if one of the kids buys it, and then maybe I'll go watch it. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise I'm out. What's the cutoff there? An hour and El Fanning takes a hit. <laughs> oh, man. I am there with popcorn and glasses on and cheering away. <laughs> I'm like the people cheering when the transforming happens in Transformers. Yeah, yeah the Fanning sister bought it. Awesome. Make it 3D. Yeah, exactly. Oh. All right. Fanning's. So, Matt, I think you have pick number nine. So this is your last pick. Wow. I know. This is my last pick. So far, none of the picks have been outside of my top ten, and it sounds like that's the case for you. Yes, that's correct. I'm going to – this may be my, my one dark horse that I think may surprise you. I've kind of got two I'm debating um, oh, man, I'm that curious. May, may both be outside the, the wheelhouse. But okay. I'm going to stick with the G rating, and I feel like a loser for that. But uh, Winnie the Pooh. Quarterback, no! Ken O'Brien of California Davis. 
Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yeah. So this is going for like the under three crowd or the under eighteen month crowd. This is I, I don't going know for my exactly. daughter crowd. She loves yeah. Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. And that's what I'm counting on, you know. I'm not taking her to see it though. <laughs> Just because you don't want me to get the points. Especially uh, now. So my question is, I mean, I guess the answer is yes, but is Winnie the Pooh still relevant in 2011? You know, when I made the pick, and I had it ranked to like 11th or 12th actually, but um, I thought really it would be the parents and even the grandparents that would kind of be more Winnie the Pooh people, and it was going to take those people taking their kids and dragging them to the to the movies to actually make it, you know, crack that hundred million dollar mark and head towards two hundred million. Is that not the case? Let me tell you, brother. Yeah. As a father, there's Please. Winnie the Pooh crap everywhere. You go to Target, <laughs> there's Winnie the Pooh crap. You go to right. any other place, Winnie the Pooh crap. Yeah. But the thing is, which kids are going to be wanting to watch Winnie the Pooh? What's the age cutoff? When you have yeah, cars, it... the age cutoff is a lot deeper. When you have Winnie yeah, it's the... going to skew early, very young, for sure. Right. So I have a two-year-old. I'm not going to take her to see any movie, let alone Winnie the Pooh. Maybe Winnie the Pooh when she's a little bit closer to three. Yeah. Maybe that's the first movie we take her to see, but it's one of those movies. The cutoff's going to be five or six, and then you know, <sighs> no interest probably. A movie like Cars and Kung Fu Panda, that's a movie that even teens will go see, but you're yeah. not going to be drawn in anyone other than parents above the age of seven or eight for Winnie the Pooh. That's why I'm laughing at you. <laughs> I, agree this, I agree this is a dark horse. Uh, wow. uh, and apparently, I did a little bit of research. This has been playing like in Europe for like a month or two now, even. And I had not heard anything about it. Not that I'm plugged into the underground of Winnie the Pooh type movies. Yeah. Uh, but that kind of found I found that a little disconcerting. Uh, that you know it's already been out for a while, and and I think it's opening a little bit later as well. So I'm not necessarily going to get a long burn. You know, you know, families aren't going to be planning their field trips all summer long going to see Winnie the Pooh. So I will admit that that was my uh, my dark horse, and that was not what I had picked next. But I I wanted to at least do something to give you a little bit of uh, material to talk about. You're giving me a ray of hope, is what you're doing. Wow, man, I, you're really uh really down on on Pooh Bear. Yeah, maybe I got to do a little bit more research into this. But it was com- I have a list of thirteen, and it's completely off my list. Wow. All right. And there's two it's movies. G rating movies, man. I I, yeah. I, I love them. So there's two movies sitting there for you that yeah. I'm surprised you didn't take. Yeah. And I'm debating between the two, even though I had one rated significantly higher than the other, but it was easier to come up with numbers for that one. Well, after after we after we make your decision to talk about it, we'll have to talk about you know our the one that got away, as it were. You know what yeah. else we we had kind of had in mind. So. The one that's sitting out there for round two, so to speak. So shoot, shoot for me. What's what what you like is number ten. You know what closes out the draft and. Wow. Okay. Do I go with the Okay, okay. But you you really got my mind spinning over this poo hate though, I will admit. Really? Uh, uh you you if you if you're just messing with me, it worked. Now, <laughs> now I'm now I'm worried. I think I wrapped it up that way. Yeah. As long as I make this pick work. All right. Make so it happen. Bring with it this home. pick. Yeah, I'm going to go with another sequel movie. I'm going to go with another comic book movie. X-Men First Class. X-Men First Class. Oh, really? Yeah. That this... wasn't even on my list. Really? I had that one rated as number six overall. All right. I mean, you look at Wolverine, it only made 179. Yeah. You peel that layer back a little bit. Last Stand made $234 million. 
So yeah. for the tenth pick overall, I think that's pretty good. That's uh, respectable. Yeah, and the last one directed by Brett Ratner wasn't very Big well name. received. Was not very well received. Big name director, but definitely uh, a poor film, and it was re- received thusly. Yeah, it it didn't have uh, the original director whose name escapes me right now. The usual suspect. Singer. Guy. Yeah, Brian Singer. Singer, thank you. Yeah, it's two names I tripped on today. No, that's all right. But um, yeah, the first two were. We're definitely gangbusters. They had a lot of popularity behind them. Uh, this one is directed by Matthew Vaughn, whose previous credit was Kick-Ass, which yeah. was a, a pretty good movie by most people's standards, or at least a pretty successful one. I think yeah. he has his... Uh, his Detractors. Th- yeah, but, yeah uh, he has his thumb on the pulse of the comic book lovers, though, in that respect. Agreed, yeah. So I think he's going to bring this one back to respectability, and even if he doesn't bring it back to respectability. I think he's going to at least draw a lot of excitement out of people. Yeah. And this one's a prequel, actually. It, yes, it is. It goes yeah. all the way back to 1963 to show the first round of the X-Men. But I have to ask, so the first X-Men that we've seen in the movies were in the yeah. 2000s. Right. James Marsden and all these young 20-somethings, right? And it looked yep. like it was done in the 2000s, unless they dated it back that I can't remember. Yep. And we're pushing it back all the way to 1963, where they're teens and young adults and yeah. Buddy and X Men. There's a little bit of a hole there, but of course, with any comic book, there's creative freedom. Uh, creative, <laughs> creative freedom. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of what I was begging on. I, I, I'm completely in line with you. I think I'm f- somewhat familiar with the comic book it's based on, which was a series of called The First Class, where they tried to capture some of the magic from the 60s era and I just don't think that's going to translate well into a movie and that's kind of what I was counting on and I did not have that in, even on my top 13 or 14 here wow. just cause, but you're right even even Wolverine and X-Men 3 were both pretty universally hated and both made a decent chunk of money mm-hmm. so yeah you wonder if the hate will snowball into something worse so I mean 179 and I was also also counting a bit on overstimulation Overstimulation of the superhero genre. Uh, oh, yeah. Something's got to lose this summer, and I'm predicting it is X-Men FC. That's a good point, because there's only so much money to go around for people who want to see these movies, you would think. Yeah, there's something's got to fall, and there are some other uh, <laughs> superhero movies that are also coming out this summer, or at least one that's yeah. in particular. Yeah, yeah there's, uh, there's a couple we didn't even mention. Yeah, so... I, yeah, I've got another one, too, that I didn't mention. It was sort of on the edge of my list, I would say, my number 11. Yeah, so, I mean... There's nothing to be embarrassed about, and your head shouldn't be spinning like mine is with this poo bear. And I, what did I do? Yeah. Maybe I could drug t- drive over Chicago and drug Tom and make him forget I made the poo bear decision. <laughs> How do you spell poo again, man? <laughs> I, I don't even can't even L-O-S-E. find it. L O S E. Yeah, I can't even find start, it on the internet. That's pretty bad. I know. As soon as we stop talking, you're gonna start picking out a movie for me to watch and wondering uh, what beer you want me to send you. So that's great. Yeah, I've got that. I'll have to pull up the list there. So, Matt, right. we've we've just completed. Uh, let me do a quick roundup here of what was selected. Yeah. So, for Matt, Pirates of Give the me... Caribbean, yes. Harry Potter. That was your first yes. pick, actually. It was Harry Potter 8, Deathly Hallows 2, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. We have... Whoops, I put an M next to X-Men First Class. I'll have to change that. Uh, Cars 2, solid pick. Captain America, and then yeah. Winnie the Pooh. Is that Winnie the Pooh 3D, by the way? I don't think it is. It's animated traditionally as well, which I'm not sure if that's going to resonate with kids as well. So, man, you really got my mind 
playing yeah. tricks on me. Think uh, think about that one there. Yeah, thanks. Okay, and then for me, Transformers Dark of the Moon, Super <laughs> 8, The Hangover Part 2, which is the one that you have me swinging by my pants yeah. around. Yeah. Uh, X-Men First Class and Kung Fu Panda 2. Not in that order, but that's the order I had them ranked in. in All right, general, yeah, so. that's uh, nothing to be embarrassed about. <clears throat> so, Matt, which were the ones that uh, are still out there that you're surprised of, or the ones that were released on the edge of the list? You got one or two you want to share? Yeah, the two ones that were most interesting, and we'll just talk about these real quickly, I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, as far as the superhero movies, uh, the Green Lantern movie obviously is coming out, and that was eleven on gonna, my list. Yeah, it's going to do well. I, I don't. I think uh, I predict it will do better than the first class, and first class will be the victim. But I think it's pretty obvious that the uh, superhero hangover, as you will, as they're probably going to call it at the end of the summer, <laughs> it's got to affect one of those two movies. Yeah. Uh, the the other one I thought might be interesting and might get kind of the adult money. I mean, we've got all these 10 films and we're going to talk about maybe even a few more. Uh, none of them are really aimed towards the adult segment. The problem is, you know, you make a movie for grown-ups. I think you're capping your market at $80 million, even if it's kind of a runaway hit. Uh, but the, the Larry Crown movie, which is a uh, Tom Hanks, Julia Roberts, you know, summer vehicle. Oh, yeah. I didn't have that so, on my list, but that's an interesting one. So you've got, you know, Wesley Snipes has taught me three things. Always bet on black. <laughs> Never bet against the IRS, and always bet with a Tom Hanks, Julia Roberts. <laughs> Those are the three things that West Dog taught me. So I mean, that's pretty much America's Sweetheart type movie, and I think that one could have the length. You know, if they release that earlier in the summer, you could see adults going to that for you know eight weeks, nine weeks. It could have a lot longer of a shelf life sure. than uh, some of your other movies. So those are the two ones that kind of were struck me. Did I steal your thunder with any of your? Uh, you know, 11, 12 picks. You you didn't steal my thunderous one. Uh, that was my 11th was Green Lantern. I just look at Green Lantern as being one of the sissies of the comic yep. book genre. He's a yep. DC character. He's green. He's got a freaking Dakota ring. He joined <laughs> yep. an intergalactic squadron. I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah, I just don't. And space movies, man, it's kind of tough. As, as flying through space, I mean, that's a tough connection for a lot of people, yeah, myself I, included. I can picture some really bad Superman-looking space flying going on. But exactly. I'm sure they've advanced past that. So, yeah, that was my 11. My number nine, which wasn't selected. I'm, I'm curious you didn't bring this one up. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. What's wrong with <sighs> that one? <laughs> I don't see that going anywhere. You don't see it going anywhere? I had that one ranked at 200 million. Really? Well, here's the thing. Boy. The, the yeah. last one, which is the one that Tim Burton did, yep. was a 2001 movie. This is going back 10 years, and it made $180 million. And that was a stinker of a movie, too. It was. And it even got but some of my money. I think I think it's 10 years is just too long for that to... It's not even relevant. I mean, the the first one isn't in anyone's thoughts anymore, I, w- I would propose. And... I, I, I would say that that doesn't matter, though. I would say yeah. that people are going to see the trailer. They're going to see monkeys climbing all over the Statue of Liberty and throwing their poo and wreaking havoc and doing all this other crazy stuff. And they're going to see James Franco, who is apparently a pretty popular guy these days. And, uh, I mean, I did have it ranked ninth on my list, so it wasn't the highest movie. But I think it's got enough of the action genre. It's a break from the overload of comic book movies. Yeah. Uh, The the other thing that hurts it, too, at least in our rules, is that it comes out August 5th, so it really only has about six weeks of money. Okay. Which is probably enough. It's not going to make a lot in week seven, but... Yeah, I thought this one was going to be... I think it's going to end up being in the top ten as far as uh, moneymakers this year. I'm I'm going to predict that 
it'll probably do you know good business the first week, but I see it fall into number three or four the second week in terms of uh, mm-hmm. the rake raking in. I just think that one's going to drop off a cliff after the first week. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's going to do you know your sixty seventy million dollar opening weekend, I guess, mm-hmm. just because the fact I assume that's going to be the biggest push that weekend, so it's going to get some money, but. Uh, right. I see it kind of falling off the face of the earth after that. That's my official prediction. Just too much, uh, too many years. Um, you kind of tapped into the uh, the people reminiscing on the 60s or 70s uh, original Planet of the yeah, Apes. I mean, I think the I last think that one, reservoir is empty. The last one made 180 million dollars. Yeah, 180 million dollars, and that was considering that the last few Planet of the Apes before that were 30, 25 years in the past. Yeah. I think that reservoir is empty. It's going to come up dry. I think the apes are actually going to win this time. <laughs> Maybe. And that'll I, be the end of that franchise. And I had two more on my list, so I'll wrap up quickly here. Yeah. Zookeeper. This is I don't even know what essentially is. Paul Blart Part 2, I would say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kevin Middle James America is the main does love, guy. does love that. Yeah. I mean, Kevin James. Ad, Adam Sandler's doing a monkey voice. Frank Coriacci is this horrible Happy Madison director. He's going to be the director for this one. I would not be surprised if this one makes 150 million, because yeah. I mean Paul Blart is making money left and right. And <laughs> that break. was a bad, bad, bad movie. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I have this one is a real long shot on my list, but I had it above Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> was you beat me to the Winnie the Pooh joke? <laughs> yes. Conan the Barbarian in 3D. Oh, yeah. That is coming out this summer. Yeah, August 19th. That's pretty bad, because I'm kind of a Conan fan, but still, that's, yeah. Yeah, the only guy I recognized in this movie is Ron Perlman, and that's not saying a whole lot. This is another one where you look at it in comparison to Planet of the Apes, where does it is it too far from the last one that was made? Because right. Red Sonja was 1985, Conan the Destroyer 1984, and those are the last movies, if you don't count the Conan the Adventurer show in 1997, which had a pretty short life. Yeah, and yeah. I guess I would say the only chance it has again is if it's programmed such that it there's nothing going on the second week of release. Maybe it can, uh, you know, win for two or three weeks in a row. But man, yeah, that yeah. does not even sound particularly interesting to me. Yeah. Hmm. Well, those weren't picked though. Those were out there though, and that's a pretty good wrap up, I would say, about the blockbuster movies that are coming out during the summer of 2011. I like it. I'm I'm happy with where I'm at. Um, good, we'll, good. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm feeling better after round five, that's for sure. Gosh, come oh. on, Tom. Give me a break, man. Just turning the knife a little bit to the left. I know. Yeah. I'm going to have to talk to everybody and try to make me feel better about what's going on. Yeah. Find uh, some Winnie the Pooh fans who are going to back you up on that pick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to start watching really bad movies to try to prepare myself for what you're going to inflict upon me so that it'll numb the pain a little bit. Yeah. You can always watch uh, Soda Cracker. That's a pretty bad one, I hear. <laughs> Soda Cracker does have some problems. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, I think that wraps up our show for tonight. I want to thank... A little tease for what's going on next. A little tease for what's going on next? Yeah. Yeah. We will be watching and discussing the Robert Altman film, The Long Goodbye, in our next podcast. And we'll even take suggestions for Podcast 6, if any of you guys out there have uh, a good movie for us to watch, or even possibly a bad one. We'll at least take it into consideration. Yep, yep, and uh, we'll give Mr. Altman a try and see what uh, I think of him. Traditionally, not a huge fan, so, but... Yet the topic looks pretty interesting, and uh, a very successful uh, box office draft, Tom. I think so. I think so. I'm real happy with it. 
Yeah, and I, it was I, a lot of fun, so thank you for joining me in this fun, Matt. Absolutely. At least I can remember that I won the uh, the quiz off, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> the knowledge yeah. off. The knowledge off, that's right. Yeah, very well done on that one, Matt. I, I was very impressed with your knowledge. <laughs> well, thank you, Tom. And the Sherwood Motel, I'll be seeing you soon. Hopefully I get 10% off. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, everybody. See ya. Thank you.